Welcome to the first podcast of Ready Teacher One. My name is Adam Mangan. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Ryan McLaughlin. How's it going, everybody? And we are bringing value tonight right off the jump. We're going to talk to you guys a little bit about what the future of education looks like as it intersects with EdTech. Uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about what the current state of education is, what this pandemic thing is doing. So much, so much going on right now. <laughs> and we're going to try to um, create some interaction where you guys can uh, come in and, and, and ask us questions. So we're going to have a live portion where we're taking some feedback from uh, our colleagues all over the country who are having burning questions right now about how to support teachers better. That's right, Adam. And we're excited tonight because we're excited about what the future of education looks like. It's going to be different. Change is always a little bit scary. But we're excited because we think that there are so many great opportunities right now. Now, Ryan, we gotta be we gotta keep it completely real, dude. People have 100%. been talking about education changing since Francis Parker and Dewey. <laughs> you know, this is true. You know, people have been on like, dude, uh, education is changing, and we hear this every year. We heard it with Reagan. We heard it, but I think COVID really exposed. That's right. What? is really happening in this game. That's absolutely right, Adam. I think that change came whether we wanted it to or not, right? We all saw in the spring how everyone had to transition with really, in most cases, a week or two's notice to go completely online, to go completely on Zoom, com completely on Seesaw, completely on Google Classroom. Uh, there was confusion about which platform was best. There was confusion about the best way to handle a classroom. And it's frankly a challenge that People across the country are still facing. There are so many teachers who are still trying to adapt. There are so many teachers who are still figuring things out. And, and frankly, I think a lot of folks are getting burnt out. Oh my goodness. Dude, COVID called BS not just on the teaching game, not just on the education game, but it called BS on many of our institutions. So true. Bro, you couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to That's college. True. You couldn't go to any kind of elective procedures at the doctor's office. Right. I mean, we really were at a place when the economy shut down where people didn't know how to react. You saw all kind of social emotional fallout. And That's so true. And so the question is, what is going to be permanently broken from this? Mm. What was broken? and has just been exposed, mm -hmm. and where might the opportunities be? Those are all great questions, Adam. I think that the opportunities, to start with the last question first, are gonna come from people who are able to get excited and able to stay positive in the midst of all of this chaos. I think that people are ready for something new. I think that we have all seen that education was a place where a lot of people felt unheard. We've heard, from so many of our teaching colleagues across the country, both public school and private school, that they felt unheard before this. They felt a lack of gratitude before this. And this situation has just been exacerbated, right? Um, many of the folks that I talked to on Twitter have said things like, you know, I'm now working two full-time jobs because I've got to teach in person. And then at the end of my long school day, I have to record video lessons for the kids who are going virtual. And so I think fundamentally, People with positive attitudes are going to be the ones that find the way to make things better for everyone involved, for all stakeholders, because they have to improve. What The situation right now is untenable. Oh, it's no question. I think what's interesting, and to your point about it being untenable, is you look at the news. Right. Many public schools 
have gone back in person after holding off because of fear sure. of, of the coronavirus spread. And now they're getting outbreaks and the reaction is to thrust themselves right back into completely going virtual. That's right. And the problem is virtual education is not good. It's not. It's what not. are some of the things that you see as the problem with virtual education? Well, right now it's a fundamental lack of human connection, right? I mean, we are so used to, as teachers, being able to come up to a student, to put a hand on their shoulder, to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, to be able to read body language, to be able to read facial expressions. Heck, I think the facial expressions thing, even folks who are now in person are struggling because we're wearing masks. We're wearing masks so you fundamentally can't see other people's faces, and that's a barrier to human interaction on a basic level. So I think that there's um, a feeling of total disconnect and a, to a feeling of lacking that basic humanity that has made teaching what it's been. But let me ask you, Adam, um, I think that right now there's a lot of frustration with EdTech, right? Because I think folks are frustrated with the Zoom calls dropping. I think they're frustrated with parents not being able to figure out Seesaw and what have you. But you and I are both guys that love EdTech. We're excited about the future of EdTech. We see tremendous growth in the future. We see tremendous opportunity. In the midst of all of this, what has you excited about EdTech still? It's simple, man. Ready, teacher, one. There you go. Yeah. The Trademark, re ready, the teacher, The real one. deal is that um, most everything is better in three dimensions than two dimensions. And part of what is missing, as you said, is the common courtesy of connection. And so one of the things we did at, at our school when everything shut down is um, we actually uh, conducted class in the metaverse and virtual reality as avatars. So one of the things that I noticed from that was that students were in their downtime playing uh, rock, paper, scissors with nice. their hands in VR as avatars. They were still sitting at home. They had a headset on. Sure. But instead of in a two-dimensional Zoom, they were in a three-dimensional experience as avatars interacting with each other. And so I think what is becoming super clear to me is good virtual education has to get cheaper. You cannot charge people $55,000 to go to Harvard and you're only getting that online. That's right. The same thing that I can get on YouTube. That's right. You know, I can get all their computer science curriculum on YouTube and people are paying $55,000 for that. And that just doesn't work. I don't care if you're Harvard or not. That's true. So I see this huge opportunity for the teachers who are willing to adapt. Um, we're no longer in a place where um, teachers are just uh, there to, um, you know, profess and sit in front of right. the classroom. Um, right. And I think any model that is stuck in that kind of era is going to be, um, there. no one's going to pay for that. Let me ask you a follow-up question because you spoke a little bit about the tremendous work that Benedict Day School was doing during our, our spring where everyone was at home, right? And about having students, particularly our eighth graders, in VR at home, having that human interaction, having something that was more real. Um, let's say, you know, may, may it be so, but let's say in a few months we get the vaccine Everybody gets the vaccine. COVID-19 becomes a, a painful memory, but a memory. Why is it that virtual reality education should still be on the front of everybody's minds? Why is it in a post-COVID world that we'll hopefully be in soon, should we still carry about 
all these headsets and all these wonderful things going on in VR. Ryan, uh, the deal is COVID exposed already existing issues. Like if you really think about it, school was way too expensive, particularly elite school. You know, any kind of, and, and, and not even particularly elite, I'm sorry, just college in general was super expensive. Sure. Right? And so part of what people realized when they began to pay attention, right, they began to pay attention. COVID really woke people up because you just sat in your house and you might have been working virtually, but you were paying attention is, sure. hold on, I'm paying $70,000 for this? Right. And the deal is you could see what the professor was talking about on the other end. Right. So for all my folks who were paying $77,000 to go to a school where the kid was at home and, you know, they were not juxtaposing Catullus and Horace, but they were um, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what pronoun was their pronoun of the week. That really rubbed the majority of the American people the wrong way. And not to get political, but I think what COVID has done is it's thrust us into a situation where so many things have become political. Absolutely. And so people are thinking to themselves, um, hmm, you know, where is the real value? And what I love about VR is VR saves time. And ultimately, that's where the real value is. It's our time. That's right. It's our time. It's our ability to get back our time. And so, you know, I think a lot of the traveling that was existing prior to COVID, I think you're going to see that slow down a bit. I think companies are going to reevaluate um, their own human capital investments and training modules. What does training look like? Oh, man, a lot of this we can do on Zoom. But see, Zoom has so many challenges. It does. And so... There's going to be the desire to save money on the traveling front and the, um, you know, the kind of education front. And, there, and sure. people like the idea of recording and asynchronous learning. Like right. people want to consume things when they want to consume them. Right. So this idea of this kind of Carnegie model where you get it from 8 to 3. And we're going to give you all this knowledge from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. I think that is going to be diminished. That makes and a lot VR, of sense. VR opens that thing up. That makes a lot of sense. So before we started tonight, we threw it out to a whole big group of our friends. Shout out to the Vanderbilt ISL network. But we threw out to our friends, what's the state of education right now? And what are the biggest challenges your teachers are facing? And we've gotten a couple of responses. First up, we got a response from one of our favorite professors of all time, the one and only Dr. Quentin Walker. Uh, Quentin says, right now it's 100% about student and faculty wellness. Frankly, not sure anything matters all that much. What do we say to that? In this, in this state of student and faculty wellness being under direct assault on so many fronts, how do we address that? Yeah. I think Quentin um, points out what schools have been asked to deliver on, but are really not even close to being prepared to deliver on. So one of the things that was exposed in this model uh, of going home was that we do not have any kind of real understanding about the social emotional needs of kids. And uh, especially in a pandemic, we were not homeschooling. You, you heard parents say, I hate homeschool. We were in right. crisis school. That's right. You know, and so managing through crisis is not something that anyone um, who's teaching in schools really has done. You know, they, they, have, they haven't had to manage a global pandemic. None of us were alive in and teaching in 1919 when this was the case. And if you go back and you look at places like Exeter, 
um, you know, those places went home. They, right. they, they punted and there was no online option. Sure. You know, so things were paused and, and some students went on and fought in a war. It was a mm-hmm. completely different paradox. So we were wholly unprepared for that. I do think he's right in that um, the most important thing is that pastoral care, is the caring for others. Right. And I think that's where the schools that are most successful, um, that's where they're doubling down their efforts. Now, how does that intersect with ed tech? I think that part of caring for folks is making sure that learning doesn't stop. Right. You know, it's not just about um, reflecting on one's feelings, but it's also about giving them skills and perspectives while this is going on. Sure. So skills and perspectives can't stop. There's not a zero sum game between, um, you know, making sure that people are taken care of and them actually learning. Right. And I think that's the difference between Zoom and virtual reality. So in a Zoom meeting, it's all about maximizing utility. Mm-hmm. We have this agenda. You have this person's time to speak. Let me mute everybody. Let me mute everybody. Johnny, turn your camera on. Let me give people permission to enter. That's it. Right? In Engage, in a VR space, it's about maximizing potential. Create the world you want to see. And if we can take more of that perspective, create the world you want to see... Instead of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to hear kids saying, these are the problems I want to solve. These are the networks I need to solve them. These are the resources I need to solve them. And so I think that when I think about the juxtaposition of Zoom and, and, and Engage, I think that modality, that medium requires a totally new, different type of teaching. Absolutely. So we've got a follow-up from another friend of ours whose name I'm going to go ahead and leave out of this just because some of the sensitive nature of the question. But she says, right now it feels very much like parents versus faculty or head of school versus faculty or parents and faculty or parents and head of school versus students. Poor leadership is really creating poor morale. It feels like there's a lot of conflict going on right now. And this is certainly not the only perspective I've heard that's shared this sentiment. How do we help the conflict? How do we help rebuild the peace? How do we get everybody on the same page so that we can work together towards the common goal we all have, which is educating children? Yeah. You know, I really appreciate this question because you've never seen teachers on social media more distraught. Never. You've never, heard, you've never. never seen the negativity. Um, and how quickly the pendulum has swung from the memes appreciating teachers and holding them up as, you know, wow, I couldn't, I can't believe you guys (laughs) do this every day to get yourself back into that classroom and educate my kid, whether or not you get Corona or not. So there's this interesting framework and I think it's a microcosm of where our society is. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I think one of the things that this is exposed, and we, we, we use this term kind of calling BS, I think we understand more clearly what is real power, who has authority, who has clarity, who, who is where on the spectrum. And so, you know, I think this question exposes a reality that um, teachers... That particularly in the public sector, teachers have lost their agency. Right. So 
how do teachers gain their agency back? I think that future is going to be something that looks more entrepreneurial. I think it's going to be teachers owning their own intellectual property. Mm. And I think it's going to be teachers building something once and selling it a thousand times. And so flipping the, the business model, I think fundamentally, and, and, and I know this listener probably doesn't want to hear this, but I think what this has exposed is that there's some elements of our institutions that will have to change. Sure. And, um, our institutions are too easily positioned as an us versus them. They're right. too easily subjected to politics of the day. Right. And so part of what has happened is the coronavirus itself has been politicized. Right. Right. So if you don't want to come to work, you are liberal because mm. you're, you know, you don't want to uh, subject yourself to the coronavirus. If you want to come to work, but you don't want to wear a mask, you are conservative. Right. And that just seems to be a very absurd place to oh, land. Oh, it is. That wearing a mask is liberal or conservative or wanting to choose to, um, you know, consider your own health is sure. a political ideology. I think part of that has been thrust onto schools and is not really a byproduct of schools creating that for themselves. So, so for the leadership at the schools, I think the other thing that has become complex is that boards have become operational mm. because we're in this kind of crisis mode. And so boards have become super operational. So the head of school kind of finds himself in a really unique position. Either I'm going to collude with the board right. against the them, or I'm going to sacrifice myself. So it sounds to me like what you're saying, well, I'm taking away a couple of things. The first is that a lot of this conflict is driven by fear. As all conflicts are, right? And control. At fear, and, and fear especially of loss of control, for sure. So if we can have those honest conversations with each other about how we're feeling, about what we're afraid of, it seems like a lot of transparency and honesty would go a long way towards bridging some of those gaps between parents and faculty, or administration and faculty, or parents and students, or what have you. Uh, the second thing I hear you saying, though, is that that entrepreneurial mindset is a must for teachers going forward, regardless of whether the coronavirus is here with us for three months, six months, a year, God forbid longer than that, that really teachers need to be putting themselves out there on things like teacher pay teacher, um, things like out school, things like any one of the numerous online tutoring services that are out there. Do you think that's the, the future of education, Adam? And do you think that there is space for that specifically within the VR world? Are we going towards a la carte schooling? Oh my goodness. I don't know, I just hit you with a lot of questions there. Ryan, those are excellent <laughs> questions. And I think it's a, good, it's a good place to try to add some value. So you mentioned teacher pay teacher, and you mentioned the out school. There are already ways for really great teachers to be able to test their creations in the free market. Sure. Um, I think what I'm an advocate for is agency, that teachers can own their own fate. Right. And I think that agency is part of what has been stolen in this. Mm. Right. And so, 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 so let me let me ask you a, a super specific question, not to cut you off there, please. but um, you and I have both worked for schools in the past that had uh, paragraphs in the faculty handbook that said the school owns all of the IP that you make for the school. Uh -huh. um, as a head of school, are you advocating for those things to go away? 
should other heads of school is maybe part of solving this us versus them administrator versus teacher so on is part of the solution there to empower teachers yep. in this way by saying you own your ip i think at the very least create a partnership model mm. and i think that's an artifact of your willingness to uh, incentivize teachers to have more agency uh, you know our school uh, we don't actually have any kind of ip restriction right so anything which we're super proud of and grateful for that's right anything that teachers create in our domain they own which right. is amazing um, and so you know i think you know when you have those opportunities and you're building your own deal and you're creating your own deal uh, i think there are a couple of things that happen one you get feedback outside of that political context that might be frustrating sure and it helps you with perspective for sure because if you're operating within that political context and you're feeling like there's a whole bunch of negativity or us versus them and then you're getting feedback elsewhere that can be rejuvenating and filling your cup and and kind of very positive i think that helps just in the immediacy right because you can't expect or control what other people do but you can't control what you do right and so part of what i think to balance that that fear I think what my coaching is for, for teachers is focus on what you can control and what are the skills that students are going to need going forward. And so as we talk about VR as a platform, it gets to a deeper question. What are some of the skills and perspectives that students are going to need, particularly now with the college game completely right. changing? Right. Most every college in the U.S. right now is struggling mightily mm -hmm. just meeting the bottom line, even with endowments. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard from the, the, the chancellor of Ole Miss who told me that um, they're down $100,000 in revenue just in parking tickets. Oh my goodness. And that's, you know, two months into school. That's mind boggling. So if you think about it, you know, we didn't even talk about SEC football not having fans and right. not having the Grove and not having these other pieces. Right. That man said he's down $100,000 in two months in parking tickets. I, it's mind-boggling. So if you sit and think about that and you think about that at scale, every college in America was completely shocked by this. Right. And I think if you're thinking about what does that mean for the K-12 space, if the K-12 space is preparing people for a world that is completely going to be disrupted right who wins and who loses well and that goes right back to a conversation that you and i have had numerous times which is the college business model in general is broken fundamentally right we are seeing a decreasing return on investment for increasing tuition and at some point the demand is going to have to start to go away to a certain extent it'll probably never go away 100 percent but that demand for a four-year degree followed by a master's degree followed by whatever professional certificates you need um, is going to have to decrease as people stop seeing return a sufficient return at least on that seventy thousand dollar a year college right. degree that we're seeing so one of the things that i think is a tremendous opportunity for teachers at this time is to begin to position themselves for precisely the kind of a la carte offering that we're talking about with teachers pay teachers with out school and all those other uh, platforms because there's an opportunity to provide real-world skills that aren't being offered in curriculums in a lot of schools right now. There are so many skills that we could rattle off off the top of our head coding in C++, 
how to do Microsoft Excel really, really well. All these things. These data science. Data Oper science. Operations research. Nobody's teaching these things in the K-12 world right now. If teachers are willing to go out there and be a little entrepreneurial, there's tremendous opportunity yeah. to be able to not only truly help your students in a very practical, very pragmatic way, but also to benefit yourself as an entrepreneur in the long term, right? And it's... I've, I've got to think a little bit scary for school administrators to think like, oh, if I let the intellectual property go on things like this, this teacher's wonderful C++ class or this teacher's wonderful Microsoft Excel class. But I have to think in the long run that benefits the students whose butts are in the seats right now too. Because if we give teachers the freedom to be creative, the freedom to be their own best selves, I think that benefits every student they come in contact with, regardless of whether that's a tuition paying student uh, in your brick and mortar building or somebody that they're interacting with on an online tutoring service or whatever the case may be. Well, look, as we wrap up, there's a, there's a, there's a clear focus to this conversation. I think right. we want to leave our listeners with school cannot be the way it was pre COVID. It certainly cannot be the way it was when the government, then the government shut down schools. So, right. so we cannot have a school system that goes back to the way things were. Can't uh, go home again, as Tom Wolf can't said. Can't go home again. The ship has been burned. That's it. And then you cannot, and you can't be in a situation where you say, I'm so sorry, we just can't have school because we don't know what to do. Sure. So we can't be in that situation. We also can't be in the situation where we say, hey, look, School's only going to be Zoom, and then you just kind of do packets. Right. So if those things are true, if you agree with me that we cannot go back to where school was, and you agree with me that school can't be what it was in the spring, then you agree that this podcast is going to be hugely valuable. <laughs> right? Because Couldn't. what we're talking about is where school ends up landing. That's it. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And so... That's why I would ask our listeners to tune in because I think what we're talking about clearly is where is school going to land between what it was and what it absolutely can be. That's right. Ready Teacher One. We took the inspiration for the name from Ready Player One, which is a great sci-fi novel slash great sci-fi movie. And it talks about the very near future and in ways that are both a little bit disturbing but also a little bit exciting too, right? Dude. So here we are, we're talking about education. The game is changing. The world is changing rapidly around us. But we're a couple of guys that are super excited about the future. And we're a couple of guys that have nothing but optimism. The Oasis. That's it. It's coming. Can't stop it. Might as well join it. <laughs> All right. Well, we are so excited about the future of this podcast. We are looking forward to interacting with our listeners. Please follow us on social media. You can find me, Ryan McLaughlin, on Twitter at Ryan, R-Y-A-N-G-M-C-L-E. That's at Ryan, G-M-C-L-E. I also blog at 27veritas.com. So that's the numbers 27-V-E-R-I-T-A-S.com. Look forward to chatting with you folks. Adam, where can folks follow you? You can jump on at Mangana Adam uh, on Twitter and uh, you can follow me there for all of the latest updates on Ready Teacher One. Thanks, guys. We will see you next time.